Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 93 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and today, on this beautiful Sunday morning, I am finally joined again by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How you doing? Good. Yeah, it's, it's good to be back. Um, I'm not Lauren, so sorry to disappoint. The thing is, you don't sound much better than you did like three weeks ago, though. I, I'm feeling better. Okay. Yeah, I'm just tired, um, trying to adjust back to U.S. time. Um, I went to bed like 12 and set my alarm for 7, so... That's decent hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, the issue is, like, for the last two weeks, I've been going to bed at, like, from anywhere between, like, 3 a.m. to, like, 6 or 7 a.m. And But you were working through But I was shift. staying up all night, yeah. yeah. And then I was working first. I was basically just working. Yeah. Was my life, which sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, it'll be good to see sunlight again. You need the vitamin D. I do. I it's, need that it's D very so healthy. hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, as we were preparing for this freaking podcast, my computer just started. I don't know if it's a virus or what, but it just started blowing up. Mm-hmm. I um, think it's a virus for sure. Yeah. So that's a downer. You got to stay at those naughty sites. I told you not to go to Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, Pinterest is like apparently malware infested or what. It but. probably is. Yeah. I'm sure there's some back end thing. You clicked on. You clicked on the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, looking at avatar memes, <laughs> apparently <laughs> yeah. full of just viruses. Yeah, but yeah. So, yeah, I'm back. Well, we're happy to have you back. Yes. I think it was uh, an enjoyable episode last week with Lauren on the podcast. Without you, yeah, it uh, it seemed to go pretty well. Mm-hmm. I was my first solo podcast, which was really weird to do, but I felt like I did an okay job. Yeah, you car- pulled it off, carrying the conversation with myself. And then it was, of co- it's always a delight to have Lauren on. And it looks like this is actually one of the most downloaded episodes, uh, certainly within a week span. I feel like I'm getting fired. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, we're leading up to that, okay? Yeah. But Our reviews are higher without you, Let's bro. <laughs> Let's wait till the end of the episode before I break that news about uh, Lauren being my new permanent co-host. I mean, that was the original plan for the podcast, right? It was, yeah. It was supposed to be just Lauren and myself, and then um, I got to know you a little bit more. You played Kingdom Hearts, and then I was like, well, you checked the boxes yeah, at this point. So. Minimum requirements. Yeah. And Lauren hadn't finished Kingdom Hearts or played the game, so... Yeah. She still hasn't. Well, she's played a little bit of the first game. I think she's made it to Deep Jungle, the Tarzan world, and then she kind of calls okay. it quits. Yeah, that's where I almost rage quit. Which so. you can't really blame anyone for, for quitting there, because it's just a maze trying to figure out where to go and yeah you have to go from the campsite back to the treehouse like a gazillion times with no rhyme or reason so yeah i that's actually where i rage quit replaying it recently so man kingdom hearts is the best but speaking of kingdom hearts it's been two weeks since you've been on the show yes there's a lot to catch up on we've got the ps5 conference that of course i shared my thoughts but i want to have you share yours and where you're at with the pre-order stuff if you got a series x or a ps5 and speaking of pre-orders of course on Tuesday, Xbox pre-orders went live for the Series X and S. We want to talk about that. There was a large acquisition earlier this week that we also have to talk about. That was, yes, there was. Um, kind of, I guess, leading into the pre-order situation because it happened on Monday. And then, uh, yeah, the games have been playing the typical sub-segments that we have on the Otaku Brothers podcast. But the first thing we have to discuss, Ryan, is the PS5 conference. So you yes. were out last week. 
but you still watched the conference, right? I did. Okay. So yeah. where were you at coming away from that? I guess before going into the conference, what were your thoughts about investing in the next generation and the timeline you were planning to do that? Um, I think going in, um, looking at the two systems and the games associated, or at least what was coming out at launch or within that window, I was leaning towards a PS5. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see what they're going to bring to the table, more gameplay, um, and they did not disappoint. Oh, so you're drinking when I'm talking, as you've mentioned. <laughs> well, yeah, see, Last, now that you're yeah. talking, see, I'm you're over here, like, drink. chugging water. And yeah, then I'm yeah, I was just, you're, like, making eye contact as you're just sipping. <laughs> I'm chugging water and then chasing it with coffee. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice being able to do that without having to, like, mm, okay, guys, I'm just going to take a sip of coffee. Just take, give me a second here. Mm. Ah, that tastes good. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I was excited to see what they would bring to the table. Um, they showed Final Fantasy, Spider-Man, a lot of Demon Souls, like mm-hmm. the first kind of entrance into the game. So yeah, I, I was excited. I think Harry Potter was the biggest takeaway from that. If it's Skyrim, I mean, Skyrim-esque mm-hmm. and kind of open world and I can become a wizard. It, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Well, speaking of Final Fantasy, just a quick little side note here. It sounds like uh, a couple of people in the chat were talking on the Discord, Nornzi, Josh, Nintai, I think. Uh, it sounds like that game's a lot further in development than people anticipated. Really? It sounds like they've been working on it for three to four years, and that uh, I don't I don't want to s- expect it or you know surmise that it's, it's coming out It's a launch next game for PS5. Year or two, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes out late 2022 or early 2022. Uh, or, Late 2021, early 2022. That'd be good. I mean, but that's when Horizon generally is coming out. More than anything, and, and we'll kind of get to this. Um, I feel like we're almost getting too much front-loaded on this generation for PlayStation 5, where it's like, hey, guys, let's spread the love a little bit here. Like, yeah. let's, let's let's stretch some of these games for like two or three, four years here. Yeah, we only have so much time to pump into games throughout the year. Exactly. Yeah, come on. Dude, that's not the worst problem to have. It's not. Yeah, like... It makes you think if they have this much coming within the first year or year and a half, what they have in store planned out already. Which you know they do. They're not just like, hey, we're just going to front load everything and then Yeah, I mean, all we have in the first two years is Halo Infinite. Stop it. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. So I was able to, like I was on a call when the chat or the Discord was blowing up. Um, and you were able to get one through Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into Walmart and it was every everything was sold out. <coughs> Target was sold out. I was trying to get into Best Buy as I was about to go into a meeting. And then two hours of happened for that meeting, which was like an hour more than I prepared for. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was just trying, Jones and trying to get out of that meeting, um, trying to get a PS5. And then I was in the queue for maybe 20 minutes in Best Buy. And then I was, we got, I think it was Blink who sent the... Uh, it was Comeback Kid. It was Comeback, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sent the link for Amazon, and mm-hmm. I was finally able to get one. Nice. So I got the one with the disc. And what uh, what games did you pre-order? Just Demon Souls. Okay. Um, you got Spider-Man and one other one. I got seven I've, games. You did? Yeah, okay. I got Destruction yeah. All-Stars, I got Demon Souls, I got Sack... I'm kidding. I got three games. I got... Uh, I originally pre-ordered Spider-Man, the uh, just Miles Morales, yeah. which was the 50 base cost. Uh, but then I was like, you know what? While I'm not going or planning on playing the remastered Spider-Man day one when I get the console, yeah. I would love to have that just on hand to be able to play it whenever I want. And 
you get to get all the trophies again. Yeah. And some of the trophies in those that game are just really, really fun to, to get. So yeah. um, There's so much to collect. Yeah, so I canceled my pre-order for the base Miles Morales game and just ended up bumping it up to get the Ultimate Edition Spider-Man pre-order. Uh, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, and then Demon's Souls Remake. And then, of course, Astro's Playroom is pre-installed yeah. on the console. So, um, No, I think Demon's Souls is going to be a great... Um, just a terrific launch game. Yeah. I especially since good. that isn't cross-gen. That's not coming to the PS4 as well. That's just going to be specific to the PS5. And I think that'll be a good way to showcase, um, hopefully, I mean, we, we really have no idea how these games are really leveraging that new technology with dual sense and 3D audio. Yeah. But I have to imagine that the satisfaction of a backstab, you'll kind of feel that sensation in the controller a lot better than you would, obviously, with just the DualShock 3 or 4, whatever right now like it is. Like, I, I, yeah, watching the trailer, I really <laughs> love the animation for, like, the backstab. Um, it might get tedious for the parry mm-hmm. um, over time, seeing that animation over and over. But, yeah, it, it looks beautiful. And I, I like that the, the studio is actually listening to some of the critiques from the initial trailer. Um, so for the shield guy... Um, it was a little light in the initial trailer, and there was some complaints because the original Demon Souls was pretty dark and moody. So they changed that, kind of darkened everything, and then they changed the Fire Demon's face mm, back okay. to the original because it was more of a generic Fire Demon, um, a Flame Lurker, I think is his name. So yeah, they're making some changes, which is cool. Yeah, um, I'm super pumped. I don't know. I think just my love of Spider-Man, like I actually re-downloaded uh, or put the disc in and downloaded the the game on my PS4 again and my save file must have been deleted because at the home screen it's not there which it yeah. should say you know 100% beaten ready to begin um, new game plus if I choose to but it wasn't there so I was able to reload a prior save and I still have all my suits and everything That's good. but that was kind of what pushed me over the edge like whatever I'll just buy the ultimate edition and just replay the whole game again it's not that big of a deal to me um, but I think Miles Morales will probably be the first game I play. I okay. mean, that whole weekend is just going to be popping in each of the discs and playing every th- a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But I think Miles Morales will be the first one that I end up playing. But, you know, part of me had a little bit of buyer's remorse. Uh, not because I didn't, like, I lacked the confidence in what I'd be able to play day one, certainly. And then the year after that, there's lots of games that I'm excited to play. Yeah. And, you know, I will be purchasing. I think my biggest hesitation or the buyer's remorse that was coming was the inevitable problems that are going to come with the machine whether it's the series x whether it's the ps5 both of them are going to have their problems whether it's the fan sounds like a jet engine taking off or there was just little bugs that they didn't they were not able to play test because once it gets in the hands of millions of other people others are inevitably going to find problems that the play testers did not yeah Uh, and then plus you better believe there's going to be a slimmer (laughs) model in like two and a half three years my biggest, uh, I guess, scare for, or not buyer's remorse, I'm still really excited that I got one. Um, it is scary, like you said, buying it day one. Um, the thing that kind of scares me is they reduced the total amount of potential pre-orders by about $4 million on Sony's side because of chip manufacturing. Mm. Um, and I think the yield rate was about 50% for chips. Yeah. Which is not, it's pretty concerning to say, maybe they put a bad chip in my PS5. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that's not the case because yeah. I didn't buy that two year warranty. Yeah, and it remains to be seen. I mean, I, yeah, the, the remorse again wasn't coming in at like I wish I would have gotten a Series X at launch because I'm happy with the games I'm getting, but you know, you never know what's going to end up happening with these consoles. Yeah, but 
Well, the next thing I did want to talk about um, was just the pre-order situation, the Xbox. I kind of briefly hinted at it uh, last week to say, like, listen, I hope it goes really well for people. Um, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is because coming away from this, it was kind of a cluster, you know. For sites- PS5 or. Or are you talking Xbox? Both. So the PS5 was just a shit show because no one knew when they were going live. And then when they did go live, everyone was frantically running to the nearest site, whichever one Wario64 was retweeting to say, it's up on Amazon, it's up on Walmart, it's up on Target, GameStop, wherever. And people cleared the stock of each of those sites. However, you know, Xbox says we're going to do this right. We're going to have all of these sites go live at the exact same time. And then everyone, of course, has like 15 monitors up and they have the six hands going, all their credit card information is logged in and all that good stuff. Microsoft store crashed, Best Buy didn't go live, Amazon was refreshing with a different cute dog picture every time you tried to add something to your cart (laughs) and you people weren't able to secure a console, other people were able to secure a console. So coming away from this, I think both companies, it's one of those things where what is the right answer? What is the right way about going about this where as many people that want to get a console can and we also fend off the bots, the people that are not literal humans, people that have created algorithms to buy 10, 15, however many of these consoles across the different sites and then automatically spitting them out on eBay to say, hey, if you want a guaranteed system, buy one from me for $800. You pay a premium but you also get one day one when all your buddies weren't able to secure one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what the right answer, especially as technology continues to get to grow and, and become more complex and the, um, the difficulty it's the difficulty in trying to fend off these bots is going to just be that much more challenging. Yeah. I don't know if server side you can really tell. I mean, you could probably tell uh, bots, but I think that's going to be the biggest concern moving forward. Um, the pre-order or selling pre-orders on eBay, I think, is against the terms. Well, that's what somebody condition. was saying, um, and so I hope that they were able to just pull those down. The sad thing is that when those premiums are up there, people will buy them. Yeah, and that furthers the stigma. I mean, that, that those bots are going to continue to do that as long as people continue to buy them because people are that desperate. I mean, I'm. I don't want to say I'm part of the problem, but like earlier this year. I almost dropped like $600 to get the Xbox One X because I love the Gears of War model. Yeah. And that wasn't worth $600. No, no, not even close. You know, I mean, it, I should have paid like 400 or whatever when it first came out. But to, to buy a used beat up uh, Gears of War system uh, secondhand on eBay for 600 750 800 that it's going for now is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there might be more Xbox, was it? ones x's or whatever the well the one x is what i was trying to get the one s what are they still producing the one s one um because i i I, I see i saw one article that was basically saying like because of the janky naming conventions on xbox people were buying the old system thinking it was the series x or they were buying the one x yeah yeah which sucks what and you better believe that if if these if we can assume that these will be better stocked in stores during the Christmas season. However, it's not like COVID's going to magically disappear. So people aren't yeah. going to be flocking the stores. I would hope not, uh, especially during the Black Friday season. I don't even know how Black Friday is going to work. I mean, just outside of the context of COVID, let's say it never happened. And, you know, during Black Friday, all these parents are going to the stores. That's going to happen more often. You know, little Jimmy's going to open up his Christmas presents and he's going to say, well, mom, I already have a one X. And she's going to be like, well, no, you, you said you wanted the new Xbox. And it, it, it's just... 
We've talked about it a dozen times over, but there's going to be more of that, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as the how you solve the issue of pre-orders and stuff, all at once, I think, is a worse model. Um, I, I, the main issue with Sony is lack of communication, but I think the stagger approach, it doesn't seem to be intentional. So, I mean, good job for that. But like saying, hey, Target's going live six o'clock seven o'clock is walmart <coughs> eight o'clock is next door next door next door i think that's the best approach so at least you can kind of hone in on one store say hey i missed this deadline or i wasn't able to get in this queue fast enough and then go to the next one no i agree because when you when it is everything at one well first of all I think staggering is the right way. I don't think what Sony did is the right way. That was just a complete cluster, like I said last week. The fact that nobody knew when they were going live or that half the games that were going to be available at launch were going to be available at launch and available pre-order was just messed up. And, you know, Sony has hence come forth and said, let's be honest, that was screwed up. So I applaud them for doing that. And then they also said, hey, by the way, we're going to have more consoles available for pre-order, which I assume that'll be the case for Series X and Series S in the coming weeks as well. But yeah, just to say like, hey, flood these stores all at the same time, because then, you know, people that are really, really excited about this system, they only log into Amazon or Best Buy or one system or one um, one site, and then it goes out of stock and they say, oh crap, let me go to the next one. And by the time they go to the next one, it's out of stock. And then time is elapsing so quickly that everything's out of stock at that point because yeah. you didn't have 15 windows up at the same time. So it's really unfortunate. And even Lauren... Uh, you know, I was sitting at the table and I kind of got just in the hype of it all because, you know, the Series X, I, I definitely absolutely want one for for many, many reasons and certainly for more reasons after the news that broke Monday, which we'll get to. Um, but I had one of my cart on Best Buy because Wario 64 said more consoles up at Best Buy. I had one in my cart, got to the queue, got to the checkout, got to payment options. And I was like, Lauren, I'm one, one click away from getting the Series X. I was like, what would you do if I ended up ordering a Series X and one showed up to the new house? And she just said, I'd sell it to Josh. Because <laughs> I know, uh, you know, Frantic, um, well, I don't know if, if Frantic ended up getting a PS5, but I think he was talking about getting a Series X as well. And um, But all of that to say, Lauren was going to get rid of it. So yeah. I said, uh, better to just wait. Uh, this time next year, I'd like to have both consoles. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, again, the long and short of it is, I don't know what the answer is for pre-order situation or for pre-orders moving forward for these console releases. It sucks that a lot of people weren't able to get the PS5 and likewise were not able to get the Series X, so an S for that matter. Oh, the interest Lauren's computer always does this. It makes this noise. Um, Is it asking, like, do you want to do 10 minutes? For yeah, updating? it's that stupid update thing. Um, and just a quick, I guess, update on my computer real quick before we get into this uh, little tidbit of information I have is that uh, I got the box to ship my computer off, so I'll be sending that off this week um, they'll run a diagnostic on it. It'll take three days and then hopefully they'll reach out to me and say, either we fixed it at this point. I'm kind of hoping they just say, Hey, it was beyond repair. We couldn't fix it because of the shortage of PCs right now. We're just going to credit you the cost of the machine, which was $1,300. Yeah. At which point I'm going to call up, phone up our buddy Aiden, who's like a computer guru and just say, Hey, load up a card on Newegg. $1,800 is your limit because at that point, I have a clear bill of 1300 Yeah. And then I think I could convince Lauren to say, hey, let's just go all in with this. This will last me the next pretty much forever. 
Yeah, right? I mean, it's your Xbox money that you're adding. Exactly. I mean, you saved her $500, right, by yeah. not getting an Xbox. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's the route it goes because um, in hindsight, if I could have done it differently, if we had a house at that point, I never would have got a gaming laptop. I was doing that for the portability of it all. Yeah. Uh, and just being in a one-bedroom apartment, having a PC, a tower here, wasn't very conducive to our no. living environment. No. Um, but certainly with the house and the new gaming desk and all that good stuff, um, it'll be a little bit easier to uh, set up shop with a with a PC. So Yeah, and you started, but you put your desk together, which was cool. Yes, let's let's finish this real quick, okay. and then we'll we'll circle back on the house stuff because we forgot to talk about it. But, um, yeah. So I was listening to the Kind of Funny Games X Cast, which, if you're not familiar with Kind of Funny Games, I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast are. They recently started a Xbox section of their show, yeah. uh, with Alana Pierce, Gary Witta's on there quite a bit, and then Snowbike Mike. Those are the three rotating people. Uh, recently, Paris, really awesome dude, um, big PC and Xbox guy. Uh, he's also jacked and just awesome. Okay. Awesome. But anyways, he was recently on the show as well, and I think he should be a more uh, frequent co-host. But that's beside the point. Alana Pierce, last night, when I was listening to the, to the show, uh, their episodes go live on Saturday, she was saying that stores got a lot less Series S's because they're selling it at such a loss that it just doesn't make sense for them to produce a ton of them. Um, I, I don't know what the loss is, but I mean, to go as low as 300, you would, you would expect that to be at least 150 to $200 loss ish. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, I think all companies are, I mean, I think if, if Sony had their way, the, the PS five would have been 600 mm-hmm. and then the disc list would have been five. And I think likewise, the series X would have been about five fifty ish, maybe, and the Series S would have been like four hundred. Yeah, three hundred so low. Um, especially, I mean, it has a lower spec than the Series X, but I mean, it's still relatively new gear. It's a right? powerhouse it's, it's console. A, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're trying to. I mean, our laptops were what like twelve hundred, mm-hmm. and these are essentially laptops. Just as powerful. Yeah, yeah three hundred um, bucks. I mean, these new systems, as we move forward, they're just basically going to be PCs in a little tinier box. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, I, I think the discless Sony, or the discless PS5, um, it, they're taking a loss on that as well, probably around 70 bucks, Because mm-hmm. um, there was a breakdown saying basically the disk drive costs Sony like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 70 buck, bucks of loss in the long run will make them more money because of the online sales. Mm -hmm. They have a higher return, but it's going to take a lot longer for Microsoft to make up maybe a hundred, 150 loss. I think, well, I mean, it's very obvious that Microsoft's not hurting for cash based yeah, on recent like, acquisition. So I think I they can we care if Microsoft takes a loss because they're a giant company. No, but they clearly don't. And I think that's, yeah. that's that's what's very abundantly clear coming away from the news on Monday. But before we get to the news on Monday, I do want to backtrack and talk about something that was in my show notes, but I completely forgot to to bring up. So as we were talking about last week or as I was talking about with Lauren, the plan was to close on the house on Thursday. And so Thursday rolls around. Each passing day last week felt like a month. I mean, you know, in addition to the news Monday with Microsoft acquiring Bethesda, obviously I was over the moon about that. You know, on the internet and Twitter, just following the pre-order situation of Xbox, 
each passing day just had a unique, interesting thing, and then TGS started as well. But obviously, the thing I was most excited about this past week was uh, closing on the home. And so the plan was at three o'clock, we were going to do a final walkthrough with our realtor. And if you've purchased a home before, that's just to make sure that there's no leaks, there's no damage that in the prior walkthroughs you've done up to that point, uh, there wasn't anything, no surprises, nothing you didn't anticipate already. And so we pull up about 15 minutes early and then Lauren gets a phone call from our realtor at about 2.55 and I just see Lauren's face go from pure joy to just sinks. Oh no. And he says, hey, I've got some bad news. And he's like, my daughter's daycare, a kid showed up and he got tested for COVID, tested positive. I don't think his parents, I don't know what was going on about his parents not knowing or what, but they continue to send his kid to school. So then she woke up yesterday with 102 fever. Oh. So he pulled up uh, on the driveway in his truck. And so we're watching him talk as we're hearing the audio through her phone on speaker. And he says, I cannot come in for the inspection. I have a COVID test at 345, so I will not be making it to your closing. So Lauren and I, of course, what's running through our mind is, oh, shit, we're not going to be able to close in the house today. And if he does test positive for COVID, then who knows when they have COVID. Well, no, no, we, we haven't we haven't been in uh, exposed to him or around him okay. for weeks. Okay, uh, and Good. he didn't get exposed to his daughter until like two or three days prior to this conversation happening with him. Okay, well, that's so good. there's no risk for us. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now and recording the podcast if we were exposed. Um, so he said, "Hey, I can't get out of the car. Um, go into the home, turn on all the water, make sure there's no leaks under the sinks and things like that. Um, just do your due diligence. I can stay here until three twenty-five. At which point, uh, I have to book it over to my my test. You guys go close and, you know, wipe your hands clean. It'll be good to go and you'll get the keys. So that's what we did. We went to the closing. We I seriously felt like a, a rock star celebrity from the number of times I signed my name away. Um, it was <laughs> seriously sure a stack of paper. Was like huge. 300 pages that we were just signing a million different documents. We signed everything away. Uh, we got the keys. And then that night or that evening, uh, your parents came over and then the following day, we had the washer and dryer installed, and you got a chance to see the home. Yes. So what were your thoughts? I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see it with furniture, because it was pretty empty. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be great. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what you do with it. Yeah. I'm excited to paint some stuff as well. Yeah, so speaking of, um, yesterday, thanks to you and your dad, uh, you dropped over some couches from your parents' basement. Yes. Really nice furniture. That was your grandma's uh, that she didn't make a ton of use out of. It looks pretty much brand new. Mm-hmm. Super cozy, comfy. So you guys dropped that off for our main living space. And then uh, my dad came over and saw the house for the first time yesterday, and he dropped over the desk that I ordered and mm-hmm. the shelf for gaming that all my games will be stored on. Which I didn't assemble that, but I assembled the desk, and it's freaking huge. I didn't, it is. I didn't yes. anticipate it. Like I knew it was going to be three or sixty-three inches wide. There was like a forty-five inch, a fifty-five, and a sixty-three. And I was like, let's just go all out because at the end of the day, um, within like two years or so, I want to mount two monitors um, there with my microphone. When you say mount, so like behind the desk is a window. So how does it get mounted? It would mount to the back of the actual desk itself oh okay and then it would have like almost like an antenna looking thing that two monitors would be attached to so similar like a boom microphone that you can kind of move to your own and and adjust to your own liking these monitors i can kind of move oh that's really cool to my own liking yeah so that's kind of the plan i would get two two monitors that way mount those have the the microphone 
and then uh, whatever console I'm playing and streaming at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it you know remains to be seen what's going to happen with the computer. If I get my laptop back, great, I can still run it and stream through that and stuff like that. But if, uh, if they do credit me the 1300, then I'll move forward in getting uh, the PC. Nice. But um, but speaking of the game room, so what I've actually started doing, if you don't follow me on Twitter. By the way, this episode's all over the place. It's kind of weird, you know, Ryan and I getting back into the swing of things since it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Finding our groove again, which we'll do. Don't even worry about it. But it's no secret, the Otaku Brothers podcast, we get all over the place. We ramble. We go down all kinds of rabbit holes. But anyways, stick with us. Uh, I started a kind of thread on Twitter with assembling, kind of creating the game room. The first project was, of course, assembling the desk. The second one will probably be assembling the shelf, the gaming shelf. Yeah. However, I'm not going to be actually putting any games on the shelf because my first stream back, uh, whenever that remains or whatever that is, remains to be seen either uh, late October or early November whenever I get my computer back. Uh, I'm going to update my backlogger account with all of my games. So I'll be going by generation, so N64, PS1, and then the 2, 3, yada, 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 um, and just have a chance to just kind of catch up with chat, what's been going on the past couple months, and kind of just catalog my collection. I think it should be fun. In my mind, it sounds fun. Blink suggested that I do it, or he didn't suggest that I do it, but he said that he'd be there for that, and he thought it'd be a good time. No, that'd be a good time. We're big backloggery people. But anyways, uh, probably the third project is going to be painting the room. Yes. So we're going to be on vacation next week with the parents, um, but the following week, Lauren has finals for her, mm-hmm. her master's program. So what we want to do is uh, go to Lowe's or Home Depot, grab some paint, go over to the place, and just make a day out of it. Yeah. And what color are we going to paint it, Brian? Purple. That's right. The best color. The royal purple, plum purple. I don't know. We still are you have to thinking go to- like the color of your chair? Like, or darker than that? Probably darker than this. Okay. Just maybe like another shade darker than that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like plum. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going for. I just think that would be a nice kind of uh, contrast to uh, like the white picture frames that I have for some of the posters that I'm going to be hanging up and stuff like that. So uh, plus the couch will be delivered in November, dude. I'm so freaking pumped. No, that'll be really sleek. Yeah. Um, I saw a room that was painted black and generally I think the rule is you don't want to paint a room black because it makes it smaller. Oh, really? Smaller. Um, That's why you see a lot of bright colors, but... I saw a room painted black with all the furniture being gray and black, and it was really sleek. Oh, really? Okay. Um, So purple, it'll probably have the same effect. I hope so, because the couch is black, um, the the gaming desk is black, and then the the shelving unit is also black. And even the entertainment center is kind of a more darker grayish black as well. Yeah. So... Um, I think that the purple will be a nice contrast. I'm super excited about it. I just, that's going to be kind of like my serenity room, my little sanctuary where I, yeah. I go to, to play games and kind of escape the, uh, when Lauren's being a jerk. Exactly. Yeah. The, the marriage she realities, eaten, the, like, the Scooby yeah. realities, the work and all that, all that craziness. Yeah. So that'd be a good time. What color are the lights on the, the sofa? Cause aren't there lights on the bottom? Yeah. The led lights you can customize. Oh, cool. There's like 18 different colors you can finagle with that'll be really cool so i don't know if, if it's going to be too much purple if I, those are purple leds but maybe like a blue or a green or an orange or something like that no i think the leds in a dark room i mean you, you probably have the lights off anyway but i think that'll look really good mm-hmm. i'm excited to see the shelf because i can't really picture it so are you going to put all your ps4 and like just all your games on it or what are you thinking so i have a couple mini shelves like you know the one in our bedroom where i have the ps1 and ps2 games yes 
So I have that one. It's basically that to the nth degree. So imagine that like six times larger. So basically the shelf that I got can hold um, 1,100 CDs. So if I had a collection of 1,100 PS1 games, it would fit 1,100 of those. Otherwise, it fits about uh, 600 um, like PS4 games, PS okay. like Xbox games. So you'll have plenty of space to put all of your games on there. Probably about 10% of my collection, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, that that honestly, I, I don't think I'm gonna. I I should be able to fit everything. However, I will be getting creative with like, um, putting fi- strategically placing figures and plushies and things okay. like that uh, on the shelf as so well. It'll be a mismatch of things. Yeah, and then I have another shelf at my dad's place, um, where it's kind of glass encased. So it's similar to the one in my the bedroom now, except it has a glass shield in front that you kind of press in and open. Okay. And that's gonna have like more of my valuables. So some of my box N sixty four. Um, I have all four original Dragon Quest games in the box on the Famicom, the three original Pokemon games on Game Boy Color from Japan in the box. Uh, things like that. My more valuable stuff will go in there. Okay. As kind of like this is these are the pride and joys of my collection. That'll probably go to the right of the gaming desk because there's enough space there. Okay. Um, and then I also have, I recently ordered a 1998 Banjo-Kazooie poster uh, from a German gaming magazine. Oh, cool. That's really neat. So that'll be the complement to the similar Yoshi poster that I bought from like a 19, Yoshi story poster that I bought from like the same magazine over in Germany uh, that I had shipped over here. Those will kind of be like the two main posters in the room. Okay. So are you thinking, what are you thinking of hanging over the the couch? Is that going to be the posters or? No, the posters will be, one's going to go to the right of the gaming shelf. One's going to go to the right of the gaming desk. Okay. Uh, above the couch will probably be the, um, those white uh, Japanese renditions of classic, like, you know, the Sonic uh, oh, we have okay. an Avatar one, cool. we have a Kingdom Hearts one, we have a Star Wars one. Those things that we had hanging along our wall here yeah. in the bedroom, or the one-bedroom apartment here. Um, so that's the plan uh, for the game room. Again, if you're not following me on Twitter, Ari Lewis 2011 uh, I'm just building upon that thread with each subsequent project that I end up doing. Um, the paint job, the, the gaming shelf... Uh, once the couch is in, and then I'd like to also do a game room tour on um, throw that up on YouTube once everything's kind of in. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. Um, I think I think once you get the couch, it's gonna become real. I mean, the desk was huge and your entertainment system, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited for the couch. Yeah, super pumped, super excited. Um, but that's enough about the house, Ryan. Let's get back to the Xbox situation. Yes. So Monday, well, actually, let's let's back up Sunday. I remember, uh, of course, this is coming away from just the crazy hype of the PS5 conference, maybe the not-so-hype pre-order situation of the PS5s, um, but then Sunday, Frantic, friend of the show, Josh, he posted on the Discord uh, a Jeff Keeley tweet that, if you're yeah. not familiar with him, he's the guy who was like, oh, by the way, these PS5s are going live on pre-order tonight. Um, he posted something on Twitter to say, huge ps5 news tomorrow you don't want to miss it or whatever i'm paraphrasing yeah. here something ominous yeah and and then the the tweet was quickly deleted and then people asked him like hey what was that about and he said it was a mistake or it was a bot or someone yeah hacked my a account butt tweet <laughs> but then i'm thinking like what could they possibly announce like there's nothing they could like we're, there's so much hype and anything they announce at this point would probably take away from everything that happened on thursday yeah 
Well, lo and behold, he should have said Xbox or Microsoft in place of the PlayStation 5 because we wake up Monday morning and Dean, also friend of the show, Irish Steeler, Pizza mm-hmm. Crust Dude, he has many names. Friend of the show is the one we like to use here. Yes. But he posted in the Discord saying that Microsoft acquired Bethesda for $7.5 billion. And everyone, of course, is like, stop. That what? Real. That there's no freaking way. So I have an article up here from IGN. I'll read a little piece of it, and then Ryan and I can share our thoughts on it. This is an article from Joe Scrabbles. Scrabbles? Scrabbles. Scrabble. There it is. Xbox has announced that it plans to acquire ZeniMax Media, and with it, Bethesda Softworks. Creators and publishers of The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Quake, Starfield, and more. Announced by head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, in an Xbox Wire post today, Xbox will acquire ZeniMax Media for $7.5 billion, three times the $2.5 billion it paid for Mojang, Mojang uh, and Minecraft in 2014. Also, like, twice as much as Disney paid for Lucasfilm. Yeah. Nuts. I can't even picture seven point. Like, I don't know who was negotiating for ZeniMax, but they did a, They need a raise. Well, we've got more news about that, and I can't even... Really? Pause for Rusty's quick thoughts. Nobody is more deserving of buying Bethesda and my hope for the future of them than Microsoft, but we'll get to it because of another company that was planning on acquiring them. Okay. It says, the formal purchase is expected to close in the second half of 2021. I looked at the behind the scenes financial details. It does sound like this is going to close uh, June 30th, the end of their fiscal year next year. The deal includes ZeniMax Media as a whole, Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online Studios, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios. So those are all the child companies, I think, under ZeniMax Media. Okay. In a blog post, Bethesda SVP of Global Marketing, Pete Hines, said, We're still working on the same games we were yesterday, made by the same studios we've worked with for years, and those games will be published by us. The move, Hines explains, is because Microsoft... Uh, is because Microsoft access to resources that will make us a better publisher and developer. It's unclear whether Bethesda will be considered a part of or separate to the existing Xbox Game stu- uh, Studios fold. IGN asked Bethesda for clarification on that and the effect on its in-development games, including Starfield's intended platforms and the timed PlayStation exclusivity for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, but was told that there would be no comment beyond the existing statements given today. So I'll quickly go up to the, to the top of this article because Jason Schreier cleared the air on that and said to answer the question everyone is asking, Phil Spencer tells Dina Bass of, I think, Bloomberg um, that Xbox plans to honor the PS5 exclusivity commitment for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Future Bethesda games will be on Xbox, PC, and, quote, other consoles on a case-by-case basis. So, Ryan, before I get on my soapbox and talk about how excited I am about this, what are your thoughts about all this? It's good for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sony has their exclusivity. Um, it'll be curi- I'm curious to see what happens with Elder Scrolls. Um, I'm glad they have the money to redo the engine. That was my main concern with Starfield and uh, Elder Scrolls. But, I mean, that, that game's coming out maybe in five years if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious to see if it'll be exclusive, but... No, it's good for them. I, I 
you said you had information on the 7.5, but I mean, compared to uh, Star Wars IP or Mojang, which is like Minecraft's the biggest game or highest selling game of all time. Mm. I, I don't know. That seems like a really high price tag. Um, but we'll see what they do. Hopefully it limits, it gets rid of the need for ZeniMax to have a ton of microtransactions. Yeah. I think that's that and Elder Scrolls are my big um, kind of takeaways. Yeah, I think the the microtransaction thing is probably my, my biggest fear. I'm not giving it a whole lot of uh, energy or, or calorie burn in terms of like how much that'll still be a part of um, Bethesda games moving forward. But I think... My biggest thing is, you know, I look back at subs- or the, the past generation of consoles. I look at the PS1 and or the PS2 and Xbox generation, like I was more of a PS2 guy. Mm-hmm. But then after the fact, I, I found like an entire library of an amazing Xbox games, even outside of the, the Halos and games that we expected to play. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of quote unquote hidden PSA graded Gem Mint 10s on that system. <laughs> but then the, the next generation, Xbox 360 and PS3, like... I was a 360 guy through and through. Like there was very little, at least that I had visibility into or that was on my radar on the PS3 that I really cared about. And it wasn't until after the fact. And now like this past two years, I've been collecting for the PS3 like a madman because there's tons of games on that system that I've since found that I'm really into. And also just, I'm a trophy hunter. Like I, there's no, I have no shame in saying that. Like if I'm going to buy a multi-platform game, uh, at least up until this point, or leading up to getting a Series X and having Game Pass, I'm going to buy it on the PlayStation 3 or the PlayStation 4. So you care about your achievements more than your trophies? No. No, not that's not at all what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I care yeah. about my trophies more than I do my Xbox achievements. Oh, I guess I switched the you, two. Yeah, you swapped them. But yeah, okay. but I think your your question was absolutely, no. yeah, head on, or... Uh, nail in the head there but anyways uh but the next generation after that the, the ps4 and the xbox one i mean it's no secret you know everyone looks at our podcast and probably just thinks we're a, bus- a bunch of playstation fanboys and that's fine but at the end of the day like playstation had the games that i wanted to play yeah not that everyone else should be playing but the games that rusty enjoyed the most your bloodborns your uncharted your last of us your spider-mans your horizons god of war those are the games that i wanted to play and there wasn't a whole lot of offering on the xbox one that i really wanted was game pass really enticing well sure but i still wanted to play all of those single player experiences and these past 10 years the past 12 years i haven't really been a big multiplayer focused gamer because certainly in college i didn't have the time the time i did have i was up in my bunk playing dragon quest and Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on my DS and 3DS. And then once I got married and started a job and studying for the CPA exam, listen, at the end of all of that, I just wanted to get lost in a Skyrim or an Uncharted game at the end of the day. I didn't have the energy to play something like COD Online or Halo 4 or Halo 5 or something like that. However, I don't think, even looking back at all of those uh, generations of consoles, I felt so excited and confident about investing in to both consoles, the PS5 and the Series X, as I am this new generation, largely because of this acquisition of Bethesda from Microsoft. You listen to the past 93 episodes of the Otaku Brothers podcast. I don't think there's a single episode where I don't, and Ryan for that matter as well, don't mention Skyrim and our love for that game and how in my eyes it's the perfect RPG. Love Skyrim. If you're throwing me on a desert island, give me Kingdom Hearts and Skyrim and I'll be set for life. 
love, love, love Skyrim. Yeah. And even in the past few years, some of my favorite games from this past generation that are multi-platform, Wolfenstein 1 and 2. I've talked about um, the new Colossus and the uh, the New Order to death on this show. The Dishonored games, both 1 and 2, are the best best stealth games. Listen, if you're if you're itching for like a Splinter Cell or the Thief franchise to be um, reimagined or rebooted because they did a pretty shitty job with the, the Thief game that came out on the PS4 to, and the Xbox One to kickstart the generation, look no further than the Dishonored games. I haven't played the Doom games, but I hear nothing but amazing things about how they, they rebooted that franchise. Yeah. And same thing with um, the Evil Within games, if you're into horror. Um, I forget his name, but um, Shinji Mikami, I think, is the guy that... Shadows of the Damned, Resident Evil 4, and then when he left Resident Evil at Capcom, he went and made the Evil Within games. I mean, listen, I'm so excited to be able to have those games at the click of a a button on Game Pass when I get a Series X here this time next year. I'll probably have it because I've talked about how, or I talked about it last podcast episode where I don't like this idea of mass consumption of video games uh, on Game Pass, similar to like Netflix, this mass consumption of TV and movies because... I don't make enough use out of it, mm-hmm. but similar to something like Disney Plus, where I'm going to continue to buy every single Disney Blu-ray that comes out, Yeah. but am I really going to put The Emperor's New Groove into my PS4, or am I just going to click the Disney Plus app and start up you know, The Emperor's New Groove? That's exactly what I'm going to do. And so now I have all of my comfort food gaming with Bethesda on a Series X on Game Pass, where I sit in the game room and I'm like... I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like, you know, playing or getting invested in a new story. I'm just going to go back and start a new file in Wolfenstein New Order. I'm going to start a new character in Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. I'm in the mood to be scared shitless. I'm going to play the evil within or go back to Dishonored. I think that's amazing. And I think what I was going to, what I was getting at earlier about no company is better to own the rights to Bethesda franchises moving forward than Microsoft because EA was in the talking oh, for acquiring Bethesda, or ZeniMax Media, I guess, in this case, which would have been a fucking nightmare, okay? If EA aren't money-hungry sons of bitches as it is, if they had the rights to something like Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield and everything else that the Bethesda name is moving forward, that would just be a nightmare. Yeah, if, there, if what they did to Star Wars and with that IP is any indication for the number of, like, canceled games and, like... Yeah, they're they're so money hungry. I mean, the the perfect example is the first Battlefront game mm-hmm. when that was first revealed at an E3. People lost their minds because graphically it was, was mind boggling how good that looked. But then when it came out, it was such a colossal disappointment because we're used to the Battlefronts one and two on the PS2 and Xbox generation. Those were our lives as kids. And then when EA took it over, it just wasn't what we had imagined it should be and certainly what it could have been yeah and then the second one coming out it was a travesty it, it they- was and and it has since become a lot more fun after yeah, all the updates sure. that they've made to it but what i why i have so much confidence in microsoft acquiring bethesda is that means that they have an endless well of money that they mm-hmm. can tap into for the next elder scrolls to make it quite literally the greatest rpg ever and it yeah. certainly for me in my eyes, because coming away from something like Oblivion that I think once I actually gave that game the time of day and fell mm-hmm. in love with it, couldn't be replicated. And then Skyrim's like, oh, wait, hold my beer. And they just blew my childhood mind out of the water with basically uh, my love of Lord of the Rings and basically entering a universe like that, creating my character and going on my merry way and doing whatever I wanted in mm-hmm. that world. 
And if they can do that same thing with Elder Scrolls Six moving forward, it's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. And like you said, I don't think we're going to see Starfield <clears throat> literal best case for two to three more years. We're probably not going to see Elder Scrolls Six for three to four, maybe even five more years towards the middle to tail end of this next generation. But at the same time, with the amount of money that they can tap into, maybe that expedites development. Yeah. Maybe we get Skyrim, in, or maybe we get Elder Scrolls Six in in three and a half years, and Starfield in two. We haven't seen anything about these games since like Elder Scrolls Six's initial reveal. Have we even seen anything for Starfield at all? I don't think we know anything about that game. I think it's just a, uh, as far as I know, just based on the name and based on Bethesda, and it for to, in my mind, it's going to be pitched as similar to Skyrim, but like in space. If it's a space opera fantasy game similar to the Mass Effect games, then that doesn't excite me a ton. I would say remaster the Mass Effect games and I'm set. Just yeah. focus on Elder Scrolls Six in my mind. Um, but hey, I'll play it. And uh, I think at the end of the day, the con- the conversation that I do want to get into because Twitter has erupted and the Xbox fanboys are saying one thing and the PlayStation fanboys are saying the other thing. I really think there's two directions that they could possibly go with this. And we can have civil discourse about it as, you know, as, as long as the day is long. But at the end of the day, like, but Microsoft is going to do whatever they want to do, whatever they think is in the best interest of their company and their pockets. Um, are these games going to be exclusive going forward? That's the question. And so before I say my thoughts, Ryan, please, I've, I've, I've talked for the past five minutes and I haven't taken a breath or sip of water, so go for it. Okay. Um, no, I. before I get to that, I think this adds so much. I mean, if Game Pass didn't have as like the value or a ton of value already, this just adds so much more um, having that library. 100%. Um, so I... I I think you brought it up on one of our walks earlier this week is the fear that that $10 a month or $15 for the premium goes up Mm -hmm. because of trying to recoup some. um, I mean, they have hundreds, I think 100 plus games um, that and they have so many like games within their library that they could rotate in $15 a month. I think it's undervalued. Or it's you're not you're not paying enough for that. I agree, and I think with that catalog, especially with Bethesda's offerings, all the indie games, all the Microsoft first party stuff with your Halos and your uh, your Forzas and whatever. I don't even know what's on Game Pass because I've never used it. But yeah, um, I think fifteen is ridiculous. Um, I would <laughs> I'd probably cancel a lot of other services to be honest with you. And if it's twenty bucks a month, that's still insane. Uh, even yeah. if I'm not subscribed for a full year. And I kind of like haphazardly what I plan on probably doing with Netflix moving forward. And like, hey, when Haunting of Bly Manor comes on, I'll subscribe to Netflix for a month, watch that. And then when Stranger Things comes back, I'll hop back on, watch that, and then cancel my subscription, you know, and kind of piecemeal it kind a of bit. Kind of like HBO too. It was Game, of, Game Thrones, of Thrones one season for three months and then... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I'll probably kind of end up piecemealing it at that point because, um, I mean, 12 times... That's what two hundred and forty dollars a year you're paying for for Game Pass at that point. That's a shit ton of money. And at that point, me personally, as a numbers guy, I'm gonna start crunching it and say, okay, am I getting my values worth? Am I am I playing um, six times uh, twenty four divided by six? Am I, gosh, am I playing four, four yeah. new games at launch to make my money's worth? Am I paying twelve five? times twelve is one forty four? I don't. Well, I was saying if it's twenty dollars a month. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, am I getting my values worth at that point? Because I think it's so easy. Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. It's like, are you actually getting your money's worth for actually, you know, utilizing those services? Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't. I mean, I'm sure a ton of people go months without even turning on Netflix. I, it's going to be something similar to like a gym membership. Mm-hmm. Like they make most of their money by the people who don't actually go. They Absolutely. just sign up in January and they're like, oh, okay, I'll go for By the end of the weeks. year, it's like, I went to the gym like three times this year. It's, yeah, 20 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I think, I don't want to say it's a bait and switch, but I, I, I think it would be reasonable for them to increase the cost mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i certainly wouldn't bat an eye at it like no. if you go 20 bucks it's like okay not a big deal like i'm still gonna subscribe to it because look at what you're offering me yeah i mean i don't think a lot of people buy cable i don't know i i don't i haven't bought cable. cable in 15 years you know yeah there's not much on regular tv that you can't get on a subscription mm-hmm. nowadays um so yeah i, I think what was the original question? It was what well, I think of Bethesda. Yeah, the exclusivity. But even before we get to that, it will be interesting to see, you know, Microsoft, um, what they end up doing with Game Pass moving forward. Because you brought up an interesting point with the cable stuff. There's nothing that doesn't have a subscription to it. Yeah. So what if they did break up Game Pass into segments where you can kind of piecemeal and pocket it? So it's like, uh, let's see, I want the... For- I want, the, I want the Bethesda offerings and I want the Sega offerings if they have like a end up having like a Sega section and I want the EA stuff and I want the Xbox first party. Don't give me the sports with EA play. Don't give me that. I just want Bethesda and Xbox first party, whatever, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them if they did that. Yeah. But I, I think they probably just want people into their ecosystem. They want to just say, hey, just the flat price, you get all of it. We're not going to yeah. piecemeal it out. Just you, you know what you're getting here. I, I think they might run into the same thing that they did where you have the parents ordering or trying to get something for Christmas and then they don't know which ones to pick. That does complicate it more. Um, that's right. And if the naming convention isn't kind of jank enough for parents, I, I don't know if parents are going to be like, oh, Zenimax, that obviously has this lineup of games. Let's. I think my kid likes that. It's, yeah, they're not going to know. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the flat rate, um, or I mean, even if they do bundles like six months, you get a reduced cost. Bases, per monthly basis is 20 and then goes down to like 18 if you buy six months and like 16 or whatever if you do a full year yeah i mean i think what they need to do um and again they probably already do this i just don't know because i haven't been an xbox one owner in ever yeah (laughs) but i mean uh if they do say like hey if you buy it for a whole year it's a flat 150 or something like that we'll take 70 dollars off if you're paying per month i'm sure there's something like that out there i just psn plus kind of thing yeah i don't know what that is though but i'm sure there's gonna they're gonna bundle it in unique ways yeah, no, I. They're just continuing to add value. Hundred percent. Yeah, but my my what I was getting at my question was, um, the exclusivity of these games moving forward. What what are your thoughts on that? I, I think you made the point earlier this week that there's value to be had by tapping into the full market, um, and I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, exclusivity is great, but. Uh, there's so much more revenue to be had if you hit the entire market. Um, I, I don't think they're going to go exclusive. I can I can literally hear people typing in our Discord right now, ready to to with their pitchforks and saying like, "No, you know what? There's no way they don't pay seven and a half billion dollars for uh, Bethesda, and they're not going to make these games exclusive." But listen, people, um, listen. I'm not really on one side of the fence or the other. I mean, until Microsoft comes forward, I see the value in both. I see the argument on both sides. 
if they're exclusive entirely, that means they force people to get into Xbox ecosystem. You have to subscribe to Game Pass. Not necessarily Game Pass, but you have to have an Xbox Xbox. to be able to play those games, whether you purchase it uh, physically or digitally. But then I also see the other side of the, the thing where it's on Game Pass for the Xbox consumers, but also for the PlayStation side of things. You charge $70 for Starfield. You charge $70 for Elder Scrolls Six, And let's say they recoup 40% of every sale on a PlayStation system. And then maybe you say, hey, all the DLC for this game, it actually is exclusive to the Xbox consumer. Yeah, similar to like the Marvel Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. That Avengers game having Spider-Man on Sony. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for Ryan and I both, we're incredibly fortunate to be able to be in a place in our lives where we can afford both consoles. So like... Mm-hmm. Moving forward in this next generation, I'm going to have both. So, and, and it's only fitting because I played Oblivion on the Xbox 360. I played yeah, Skyrim too. on the Xbox 360. I've, I've since bought Skyrim on Switch, PS3, Xbox 360, computer. Game Boy Color, the, you, yeah, the computer. <laughs> I have it on everything at this point. Um, so it's only fitting that I play the next Elder Scrolls game on an Xbox console. Um, I don't know. I don't have an answer. And until Microsoft comes forward and says... This is what they're doing. I really see them kind of piecemealing. Maybe Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield are exclusive to the console. But is Wolfenstein 3 really going to be exclusive to the Xbox Series X? Who knows at this point? Yeah, I mean, if last generation was any indication on sales, you're limiting yourself to maybe 5 or 50 million units versus the additional 100 million units or systems that could potentially sell um, four. I, I don't want to see both systems purely go exclusive. Um, I, I think there's a way to recoup the $7.5 billion that they invested or buying this company. Um, I'm fine either way. I'll probably get both systems. But yeah, I, I think it'll eventually probably go to PS5 in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, whether it's not even if it is an Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield, I, I would imagine that some of these games are going to make their way over, especially because they're honoring... Like, if they were super aggressive, they would say, screw you guys, Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. No, 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 no. That's yeah. no longer coming to PS5. They're actually exclusive on Xbox day one. So forget it. This is the new way of things. Get yeah. used to it. And they're not doing that. They're being respectful enough. And especially Phil Spencer... I mean, they've been more friendly with Nintendo, certainly, than they have been with, with Sony, um, but Banjo-Kazooie coming to Smash, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that that's crazy that they allowed something like that to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a new Diddy Kong Racing that comes to both uh, Xbox and um, Switch. Switch, and it's kind of almost like a Sega All-Star Racing where you have exclusive uh, characters on each console where the Xbox 360 had Banjo-Kazooie, but the PS3 version of that game did not. You know, maybe Diddy Kong Racing uh, on Has the... Has Master Chief. No, I mean, yeah, maybe they have some Xbox-specific characters in that version, and then the Nintendo side of things, you have your Diddies and whoever else. You know, I don't know. I, I could see we're getting into a whole different kind of conversation at yeah. this point, but um, the exclusivity thing remains to be seen. Again, we can have civil discourse until we're purple in the face, but no one's right except for Microsoft. Until yeah. they come forward and say what they're doing... Who knows? I mean, if they do it purely exclusive, that's good for them. Yeah. Like, it's one more IP that gives more value or brings, continues to increase the value of the Xbox. And so. that makes me feel a lot better th- about dropping, you know, the $500 that yeah, I'll drop sure. next fall. So, it's good stuff. I mean, I already pre-ordered Halo Infinite because yeah. <laughs> I'm just a crazy person. 
And you got the figurine, right? Yeah, Best Best Buy, um, of course, Wario64. I cannot stress this enough. If you're not following him, you should be on Twitter because he has insider information on all of the deals, apparently. Um, but he said Halo Infinite was up for pre-order on Best Buy, and they had a uh, Dark Horse Comics, or I can't remember who it was the that manufactured the Halo Chief, Halo Chief, Master Chief Halo figure, um, but the figure itself was 60, and of course the game was 60, yeah. but if you bought both together, it was 100. Um, okay. So I was like, <clears throat> I'll eat the cost. I'm going to buy Halo Infinite regardless yeah. uh, to get a sick Master Chief figure because I really don't have any Master Chief merchandise outside of um, Steve Down's voice on my computer yeah. wishing you a happy birthday. So um, a Master Chief is just so fucking awesome. Like yeah. He just looks I, so cool. I really love the, I don't know what game it came with or... Maybe you had to buy it separately, the Master Chief helmet. Oh, it was but Halo 3 Collector's Edition. Was it? Yeah, okay. back in the day. I really regret not doing that. A lot of people had them, and I'm sure you could find them on eBay for pretty cheap nowadays. Really? Yeah, I mean, Matt, the interesting thing that we kind of got away from from the PS3 and Xbox 360 generation was Collector's Editions. Mm-hmm. They're still out there, more for like the weeb type games, the super high an- anime type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here and there... It, THQ Nordic, for whatever reason, they're barely big into creating the collector's editions. They did one for the um, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated game, where you got like a figure and a pair of socks and 15 keychains and a bunch of just junk. They also did one for Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. They did one for Destroy All Humans. Well, Fallout did one, right? They got a helmet in their most recent one. Yeah, and there was like radiation poisoning in the helmet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like the bags were like a bait and switch, and I think there's lawsuits. 70 like, people died or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the plastic's poisonous, and like it comes alive and kills your children. Something and like, like yeah, that. Yeah, some crazy stuff. Yeah. Hopefully they go away from that now that they're under Microsoft. Yeah, well, I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to the uh, collector's edition scene coming back next generation. Not that I would buy into it a whole lot. I mean, if um, they did one for New Elder Scrolls and it's just a freaking sword. Well, they had one for Skyrim. Really? You got a giant dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Alduin or yeah. whatnot. Could you imagine just a sword? Like a, um, was it, what's the, the dra- not dragon, um... What do you tell me out here? The the metal. What's the like the red sword? It's been a while since I've played Skyrim. I don't know. Draconic, not draconic. I'm not like whatever. Sure. Uh, if they they make a sword, it'd be pretty sweet. I mean, the only yeah. so I've thought a lot about this too. Um, like maybe like a fifth five year anniversary with Lauren. <coughs> All I want eventually is to either get Gandalf's sword from Return of the King. Okay. But priority number one is Aragorn's uh, sword reforged Isildur's sword that he ended yeah. up cutting off Saruman's or Sauron's hand and taking control of the ring. That'd that really sword cool. is so freaking beautiful. Yeah. Because you have Sting. I have like a one-third the size of replica of Sting. Yeah. No, that seems about the size because he's a hobbit. No, it was one-third the size. One-third the... Dude, the sword well, is the already... The sword's as, only like... No, the sword's like this long, dude. It's it's pretty it? significant. Yeah. I think the packaging said it was one third the size. Yeah, I don't believe Maybe that. Maybe Frodo is a lot taller than we thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. They didn't really have an accurate depiction. Well, Aragorn's like 10 feet tall in the films. Right? Uh, something like that. Yeah. But the other thing I think I did want to cover a little bit, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I, after, you know, Microsoft acquired Bethesda, Twitter was like erupting that 
Sony needed a response. They needed an answer. Uh, they needed to also start buying up companies, Konami being the biggest one that they were talking about, to get exclusivity rights to something like Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill, um, like Castlevania, all of the Konami franchises. Uh, I don't necessarily think they need to do that, but before we get into our thoughts about it, uh, one Gary Witta, the only opinion that matters about anything, he was on the Kinda Funny Games daily show. He always is, Witta Wednesdays. You gotta check him out. He calls it like it is. He speaks his mind, and I appreciate and respect that. So here's his thoughts about where Microsoft's at and where Sony needs to be. I thought it was hilarious. Hopefully everyone gets a good laugh at it. So here it is. Of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and so I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, Microsoft just just threw down a, a massive gauntlet with this Bethesda stuff in terms of the, you know this, these first party wars and, and platform exclusives. Again, and, and you know, we don't even know yet why, how that's going to shake out in terms of you know how much exclusivity Microsoft is now going to exercise over these franchises that they own. Um, but Sony, yeah, Sony increasingly needs to respond. Microsoft is coming on really fucking strong uh, in this generation. Series X, Series S, All Access, fucking Game Pass. Bethesda, there's a blue controller. Did I mention they have a blue controller coming out, Greg? You That's did. no yeah, fucking yeah. joke. That thing is blue. That thing is as blue as shit. It's like they looked at that controller and said, how much more blue could we make this? Well, the answer is none. None more blue. This is the bluest fucking controller anyone's ever made. Sony doesn't have a blue controller for the PlayStation 5 yet. What's going on there? How, why haven't they responded to that? They're getting slapped in the face by Microsoft from every direction. It's embarrassing so, when you think about it. I, I heard it was so blue that it, like Tim passed out when he saw it. It was so <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I was dying laughing when I when I heard Gary Witta say that. The interesting thing too, because um, I talked earlier about kind of being a PlayStation fanboy this past generation, just because they had the games that I personally loved and felt and really enjoyed. Greg Miller is one thousand percent a PlayStation fanboy. He knows that he's openly admitted to it. So when he just said it's embarrassing, actually, <laughs> like you saw this look on his face, like give me a fucking break. Like, it's not that big of a deal, you know, type yeah. of thing. Um, and he kind of fought with Gary. They kind of went back and had some fun, just uh, back and forth arguments about Xbox and Sony and where they're at with things. So I, I encourage people to go check that out. It was, uh, it aired on 923. It's good stuff. But uh, yeah, so the the natural next question is like, where is Sony at? What is their next step? Are they going to do a one-two punch counter to Microsoft acquiring Bethesda? I personally don't think they are. If they buy Konami, I don't think it should be a scrambling, oh my gosh, they did that, so we need to do this. Yeah. I think Sony has had such a good head on their shoulders for the past 10 years, and what they were able to do in terms of garnering so many, so much following with their single-player experiences, with the God of Wars, Spider-Mans, Bloodborns, Uncharted, uh, Last of Us, and everything else they had this past generation... I don't think they need to be worried and do things drastically different than what they're doing now because if the PlayStation 5 pre-order situation is any indication and all the polls that I've been seeing from Jeff Keighley or Alana Pierce or uh, Gary Witta or whoever that says, like, what did you buy day one or what did you pre-order or what are you planning on buying in this next generation, the scales are pretty tipped in terms yeah. of in favor of the PlayStation 5. Um and, and that's not saying, like, again, that the, the fanboyism of things, but it is one of those things where they clearly don't, even after the fact of Bethesda purchasing, one, that's not even going to have any significant effect 
for a in, while. in terms of Xbox's first party offerings for probably two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, things will start to trickle in into Game Pass. Doom Eternal was recently added to Game Pass. I imagine the next couple months, the Wolfensteins, the Dishonors of the World, they'll make their way over there too. Yeah. Uh, but this deal isn't even closing until next summer. Um, so, in it, terms, it won't be closed until we actually start getting an Xbox or when we plan on getting one. So, well, it won't affect us, I guess, yeah, in that yeah. regard. Uh, and certainly. With, with Elder Scrolls Six being so far off, Starfield um, just being a figment of our imaginations at this point as far as we're concerned, because we have no idea what it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't think this is one of those situations where it's like Elder Scrolls Six is coming out next summer, Starfield's coming next Christmas, this news just broke, they acquired Bethesda, all of these games are exclusive on Microsoft platforms at this point. Sony, your move. Yeah. Like, so my thought is, you know, especially with what... Sony for the PlayStation 5 has lined up for the next two years. We have Miles Morales, Demon's Souls Remake, Sackboy Big Adventure, Horizon, Horizon 2, yeah. Ratchet and Clank, God of War 2. And that's just what we know about. And apparently Final Fantasy 16 is further along in development than we think. So if that comes within the first two years, the only thing I'm concerned about is, Sony, what do you have post two years from now? Because yeah. Microsoft is going to fucking rule the map with Elder Scrolls 6 at that point, Starfield... Halo Infinite, Fable, hopefully, Everwild, the games that they're currently working on, The Coalition, whatever first-person shooter that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's a reimagined Perfect Dark. Um, I think Sony's front-loading this generation where it seems like Microsoft's like, just wait. Just wait. Yeah. We have lots of big things coming, and we'll, be, we'll start spewing the ammo here uh, within about a year and a half. For me, yeah, I guess as far as them going out and just perching purchasing other companies artificially i i want the progression or the acquisitions to happen naturally and to be strategic and that's kind of the approach that they've been taking um not going out and kind of shotgunning across companies and just grabbing up everyone um yeah it is concerning because we haven't heard about the games down the pipeline and it does you're right sound like sony's front-loading but i mean if like for me, I don't play as many games as you do. So you mm-hmm. have like what thirty or fifty games that you completed last year? About ninety eight, yeah. Yeah, a ton. And I mean I probably complete maybe ten tops. And if I'm going after the main AAA games, um, generally, then I mean the first year's perfect and I'll probably backlog into year two and I'll be behind. So I'm fine with that lineup, but I'm excited to see I want Microsoft to start doing stuff with their lineup, um, and it gives me hope, or it gives me a reason to buy an Xbox into the future, but uh, yeah, as far as PS5, I don't think they need to buy, or as far as Sony, I don't think they need to go out and buy random companies. Konami would be cool, but <coughs> I mean, maybe if Microsoft gets Sega, then I would say you might want to go pick up another company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and according to Phil Spencer, you know they're not done acquiring, so they have more things planned. I'm sure they've already mapped out um, the next two, three, four, five years, uh, working it into their budget. You know, getting a sign off from uh, Mr. Bill Gates, they're going to acquire more companies. <laughs> it's not a matter of if; it's when. Yeah. And so, what those companies are, and what that means for the future of certainly this this next generation of. Uh, consoles and the the first party wars, if you will. Uh, I'm very much in 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 on the train of thought that like Konami would be great, 
But I mean, you know, when I pull up, I pulled up a listing just to see like who does, you know, Sony Interactive Entertainment own and, you know, the North American side alone, Insomniac Games, so they have the rights to Ratchet and Clank, Resistance, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Naughty Dog, your Jack and Daxter, Uncharted, Last of Us, Ben Studios, you know, bring back Siphon Filter, hell people, the Uncharted Golden Abyss game for Vita, Days Gone, um, the San Diego Studios, which they have the MLB The Show series, Mod Nation Racers, things of that nature, Santa Monica is your God of Wars, yeah. um, Sucker Punch, of course, Rocket Robot on Wheels. Who could forget that terrific little platform on the N64? Let's see a Rocket Robot uh, on Wheels 2 for the PlayStation 5. I'd love it. Get that DualSense controller action. Sly Cooper, Infamous, Ghost of Tsushima updates that I'm going to postpone. Um, Guerrilla Games, Japan Studio with Ape Escape, Loco Roco, Legend of Lagaya, Everybody's Golf, Pat Upon, White Knight Chronicles. they have so many great studios. Again, to your point, I don't think they need to do a shotgun approach or a scrambling approach where it's like, let's go get Konami. Let's go secure these people. Uh, let's start forking over these dollars because let's face it, Sony's never going to have the capital that Microsoft has. Yeah. Never. So for them to make a, um, a, I, I don't know, they don't put a whole lot of care and thought and just randomly spitball purchase a random company. I don't think that's a smart thing to do. If the tables were turned and they didn't have as strong a first-party lineup this past generation, I'd be a little bit more concerned, especially when you look at the start of the PS4 generation where it was like Killzone, Shadowfall, and Knack. Like, listen, I'm not shitting on Knack people, but that's not going to sell units. We got to think, most of those studios have a game of the year tied to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess Sony's doing all right when it comes to spitting out quality opposed to quantity. Um, I, I think it's good for Microsoft if they can utilize the companies that they have and acquiring Zenimax is just adding to that lineup. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to your point that they haven't done much with Rare and if they can start pumping games out of their studios in a, a coordinated manner to fill up that lineup, maybe year two of the Series X or the new generation, I think that would be huge for Microsoft. I agree. I, I don't think more is necessarily better yeah. because at the end of the day, it's not about acquiring these comp- companies. Excuse me. It's not about acquiring these companies and getting exclusivity rights. Mm-hmm. It's about managing them well. And for Rare, in my opinion, if we're using Rare as the example, I don't think they've done anything meaningful with Rare. Okay, We've got Cameo Elements of Power, which was a great kind of under-the-radar game that came out uh, at the start of the 360 generation. Yeah. Perfect Dark Zero was a flop. Sea of Thieves over time has seemed to garner a good following. Everwild, I don't know what the fuck that game is. No one does. No one knows when it's coming out. And Battletoads, cool. What about Conqueror's Bad Fur Day? What about Jet Force Gemini? What about doing Perfect Dark Justice and making a meaningful game? What have you done with Banjo-Kazooie in the past 15 years of owning a rare? Nuts and bolts, get out of here with that garbage. I'm sure that game has its charm, and it's probably fun if I gave it the time of day, but like... I swear if they start managing Bethesda like they did Rare, I'm going to lose my shit. Now, the yeah. good thing is Phil Spencer's come forward and said that you know executive leadership and those teams are really not changing. Just as Phil Spencer or Vice President Pete Hines said, like we're still making the same games yesterday as we were today and as we are moving forward. Uh, those teams aren't seeming to change. Todd Howard, a lot of faith in him to give us the Elder Scrolls game that we want moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my thought, I think taking Bethesda out of it, because I think Bethesda, if anything, they're still going to do their thing. They're just yeah. going to be using Microsoft resources, which is a very, very good thing. No, it's great. And we'll probably get you know the Elder Scrolls 6 faster than we otherwise would have. 
Um, but yeah, rare for me. Obviously, I have a very soft spot. I'm very salty about them not doing meaningful yeah, things. That's why I'm poking that button. Because if you could only imagine what Nintendo could have done in 15 years with Rare and the technology of the Switch and the Wii and the Wii never happened, but the 3DS <laughs> and things like that, man, I, we would have gotten Diddy Kong Racing 2. We would have gotten Banjo 3 at this point. Mm-hmm. Conquer probably would have come back. You know, Perfect Dark, GoldenEye, we would, gosh, the sky's the limit of what could have been with that. Um, and so for me, that's really frustrating. I don't think that's going to happen but with, with Bethesda, but even something like Sega, a property I don't necessarily have a lot of affinity for, but if I, if Microsoft did acquire them, is that really a good thing moving forward? You know, I don't know for people, like I know Comeback Kid is a huge fan of Sega. Again, my point with all of this is buying a company and acquiring them and getting exclusivity rights is one thing, but putting out meaningful, fun, great experiences that you can't get anywhere else that's another matter altogether. And I haven't seen that with Rare specifically. Other yeah. other companies, maybe. Getting the company is just a small part of the overall picture. Mm-hmm. Producing the games being the largest part. Um, I, I still think the ball's in Microsoft's court to show us what's in the next generation. Um, and show us some gameplay. Um, most of their conferences... I mean, it's unfortunate that it was leaked. Um, their like price points and everything. Um, I still want to see a Microsoft conference saying, hey, it's coming. Here's our lineup kind of thing. No, I agree. I, I think they're, again, taking different approaches to how they're doing things. But I think if the future of Xbox's reveals is just tweeting stuff mm-hmm. or it's leaked, yeah, I think that's unprofessional and it's it, it drives the hype down. It's not very exciting at all. As a consumer, as someone who is buying a Series X in a year and playing Halo Infinite and super excited about it, I still love, and I think we as gamers can agree collectively, that we enjoy the anticipation of saying like, hey, on November 22nd, we have a conference, stay tuned. And so then the hype leading up, it's like, oh my gosh, the coalition is, we're gonna, they're going to reveal a new Perfect Dark. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Conqueror's Bad Fur Day is coming back. Banjo 3, of course, these are just the things that I want to see. But you know, when Pete, he starts his Twitch stream 30 minutes before the conference, and he starts getting chat all hyped up, and everyone starts dreaming about what could be, and then they show up. They show what they end up showing, whether we're disappointed or not. You know, I think that level of hype is something that I don't want to miss this next generation. And so I hope, you know, moving forward, and I'm sure they will. uh, But again, if history tells us anything, we haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. But I hope they do this next generation have periodic showcases of what's in development and they get people more excited as opposed to just like we bought Bethesda, get excited about it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like the Nintendo Direct approach. Exactly. Just yeah. you if, know, if all companies things. can do that, say, "Hey, here's what we're working on." And Ubisoft, they've started that with the Ubisoft forwards. Mm-hmm. And granted, they're not earth-shattering; they're not breaking the internet, but they don't need to be. You know, Microsoft mm-hmm. just hop on the stage and show us some gameplay. Everwild, give us periodic updates about Halo Infinite and the things you're working on, just so that we kind of had the inside look as to what these games are, um, where these games are at, and just again that continued excitement over time. I think is going to continue to get people to buy into the Xbox ecosystem, which at the end of the day is their biggest goal. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we need moving forward E3, where it's just one time throughout the year of having, here's everything. I think if they go maybe five times throughout the year and say, hey, in the next couple of months, here's what we're planning or long term, here's what we're thinking. I, th- I think that's way better. And I think that's kind of the direction they'll start taking post-COVID. Because they're, they're not going to have these huge conferences and everyone's kind of breaking out 
of the Yeah, E3. no, I think that's absolutely the move. I think E3 is dead in the water. Yeah. I mean, especially the past few years when it's been so tremendously un- underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's a couple little blips on the radar where it's like, excuse me, I'm sorry, um, where something was revealed and it's really exciting, mm-hmm. but it's not the hype levels like 10 years ago. No, across the board it's just becoming more and more awkward between some of the people who are presenting and some of the the kookier experiences yeah um, um so yeah and that's my hope moving forward for microsoft uh again i don't really think sony has to come to answer their bethesda acquisition no um I, you can't rival that bethesda is bethesda seven and a half billion sony's never gonna have the coin to just magically drop no seven and a half bill bills on uh konami you know yeah i mean i think the only thing they could possibly do is they don't buy konami but like they just say hey can we have the licensing rights to these games and we'll take our development teams to go make the next silent hill or go make the next castlevania yeah no it'll be i'm curious to see what they do um hopefully we get some more news moving forward yeah absolutely but I think that is enough about the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, the Bethesda acquisition, all of that good stuff. I'm sure people are going to have choice words for you and I, Ryan, uh, about yeah, our probably. thoughts, which is totally fine. You know, keep it civil, keep it fun, keep it friendly. Get in the Discord. If you're not already in there, click the link in the show notes below. It's as simple as clicking the link and you're automatically added to the server. But I'm curious, you know, leading up to these next generation of consoles, we're going to have people on one side or the other. Um, I'm on both sides. I'm getting a Series X. I'm getting a PlayStation 5. But certainly with the Bethesda acquisition, the things we talked about today, always curious where other people are at and their thoughts about uh, exclusivity and all of that fun stuff. So please pop in the Discord, share your thoughts, let your voice be heard. We are all about that. But Ryan, as we wrap up this show, um, I got to watch the Steelers. We're playing the Houston Texans kind of worried about Ben Roethlisberger being protected because J.J. Watt is a monster. However, we'll get to that. I'll get to the game. I'll watch it. It'll be good times. I think we're going to be in a good spot if we can secure this victory, Dean, if you're out there. Pizza crust, dude. But as we always do on the Otaku Brothers podcast, Ryan, we talk about the games that we've been playing recently. And it's been about two weeks for you. Yes, it has. Um, You played that little Mario collection, didn't you? What is Mario? I have no idea. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, so I guess I haven't talked about it um, just in the Discord. So I've been loving the crap out of Sunshine. Yeah, um, I, I beat the game. I think my first day. Well, it was it was pretty quick. After I played it like nonstop. Um, I have maybe seventy shine sprites right now, and all but three blue coins. So. How many shines are in that game? One hundred and twenty. Okay, so similar to Mario sixty four then. Yeah, so ninety six of them are from the actual shine sprites that you can find in the world. And then 240 coins translates to 24 shine sprites. Okay. From just trading in the coins. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm loving the crap out of it. <clears throat> so much nostalgia. Um, it holds up so well. I, it was hard to go back because I, I popped in, or I guess I started playing 64 and the speed in which the game runs, like the jump and the reactivity to like button presses, it's it's really different. So it was hard to go back to play the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just love the fast pace of like how quick you can with the hover nozzle move around the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I tried playing Galaxy a little bit, um, but I just I wasn't I was kind of not OD'd, but 
I want to take a little bit of. You break. know, I, I would actually discourage you from even starting Galaxy for months because yeah. you need to go into that game completely fresh, in the mood for more Mario, especially for someone who hasn't played it before. And that being one of my favorite games last generation, oh my gosh, like that's a game you want to go into with the blinders on, but hungry for Mario. Yeah, no, it, it was really cool. The the hard part is, so you you can collect because it was based off the Wii, right? So you had to collect some of the coins or the star bits or whatever star bits. Yeah, so it, it's based off of like so. I'm using the Pro Controller. Mm-hmm. So the back of the Pro Controller basically like has a, a laser or whatever to the TV. So I'm trying to move Mario around, and I'm just I'm generally kind of like laying down when I play or sitting back. Yeah. So pointing the back of the controller at the TV to grab star bits was a little jarring coming off the sunshine, but I'm sure once I get into it, it'll be second nature. Yeah. Now, do you have anything? uh, Well, first of all, I'm glad that you're enjoying the sunshine as much as you are. Yeah. Or did, I guess, because you pretty much beat it. (laughs) Steam Aside from a a couple collectibles that you need to secure. (coughs) Um, do you have anything queued up? I mean, outside of like the PlayStation five coming here in two months, do you not really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I started playing my SP again. Oh yeah. So I, I started a Nuzlocke on Sapphire a while ago. My first Pokemon Nuzlocke. Oh geez. Buckle up. People We're back um, to talking about Pokemon. Yes. Talking brothers. So I am five gyms into that. Oh wow. So okay. this is. You release your starter once you get it, after you get your first Pokemon, and then you go through the game. If your Pokemon dies, you release it. So, yeah, it's a different way of playing. You can technically lose a Nuzlocke. So, I'm taking my time and going through that. I don't know how someone could consciously consciously release like a Charmander or a Squirtle. Or- uh, yeah, I released Mudkip. What is wrong with you? I know. He, he wanted to be free, so I let him free. That's insane. But, like... So I was really lucky. I think I think it's less than 10%, maybe 1 or 2%, but I got a Rolts All the on best. Route 2. Love Routes. Um, which is extremely rare. So he's been helping me throughout the uh, the trek. Um, when I was facing my dad for the fifth gym, he almost killed off one of my birds. Mm. Um, I think I was within like 10 hit points of dying. Um, but yeah, it, it's a thrilling way of playing, so... We'll see if I actually complete it. Okay. Good stuff. The uh, the sixth gym has the Altaria, that like cloud bird thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the fire And one. that's apparently, it ends a lot of first Nuzlocke mm. runs or first timers. So we'll see. I'm making my way there right now. We'll, we'll report back on that next week, I'm sure. Yeah. So Oh, we're taking next week off. Oh, that's Two right. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Unless we record an episode, no, we can't because I have so much going on this week. Yeah, your Wednesday is pretty free. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. <laughs> what um, have you been playing? Yeah, so I more of the same. I, uh, I'm i kind of putting Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning down, uh, not for lack of enjoyment, but similar to you getting into Galaxy After Sunshine, playing an open world like Western RPG um, after pumping like 80 hours into The Witcher 3 especially with the more freeform uh, side quest heavy game that Kingdoms of Amalur is, mm-hmm. it's just not clicking for me. Um, it's just not the cup of tea that I want right now. Mm-hmm. So I put that down. I don't want to force myself. I put eight to 10 hours into it still um, and, and really enjoy my time largely because it's just such a beautiful, vibrant, colorful world to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the side quests are always very enjoyable to play through, but um I'm just not really super engrossed as I probably should be. So I put that down. Um, I also got the Mario 3D All-Stars collection and 
um, Lauren's getting back into Animal Crossing a bit, so oh, cool. I uh, was able to snag the Mario All-Stars collection and played some Mario 64, and uh, I have 30 stars. I played a little bit more last night, but something that I am beginning to find, uh, there's just some select games that, from my childhood, I just am not good at anymore. Really? Mario 64 being one of them, Tony Hawk being another example with those remakes. I'm just god-awful at those games. Um, not, I mean, I'm still getting stars in Mario 64 within like a minute and 30 seconds of hopping into the picture frame, but there's some of them in some platforming segments. Like There's one where you're in the uh, Egyptian-type pyramid level mm-hmm. where it's the star is kind of at the top. So you go into the Egyptian pyramid, you climb your way up, uh, you do some monkey bar action, and then you climb up a couple poles, and like three or four times I hopped off of this platform. You have to make like a, a, a decent jump up, but I was doing like backflips accidentally with Mario and kept falling down and just swearing uncontrollably. Like I was just in a fit of rage. Um, <clears throat> so I, I got that star, but I'm like, if I keep playing this, like I'm just, it's just frustrating. So I stopped. <clears throat> and uh, last night I started playing more Skyrim on Switch. Oh, cool. So I have a high, high elf in that game called uh, Haldir. Uh, from Lord of the Rings, of course, and uh, gosh, just comfort food game, you know, um, not very far. I'm only about five or six hours into that character, uh, level level five or six, and I was just walking into a couple dungeons, just clearing those out. Of course, it's so hard for me to break away from the stealth archer playthrough that I typically do in those games. Yeah, um, That's just my way of doing it. You know, I was listening to uh, Pete's eBay stream last night, I going back and watching Nolan's stream of Uncharted 2. Just kind of, you know, catching up on my podcast and stuff like that. Um, but again, especially with the, the acquisition of Bethesda, it just got me so excited. Yeah, I was going to say you're Jones in for some Skyrim. Yeah, I just needed to. And um, just the idea of playing Skyrim on a Switch is just insane to me. Yeah. Of course, I was playing it docked. I was playing on the big screen. Um, but even portably, I've played it quite a bit as well. And uh, just mind-boggling that we have a game like Skyrim on the Switch that you can play portably. So that was good times. But I think the game that I'm kind of more heavily invested in more recently uh, is Yakuza 0 or Yakuza. Yeah. So there's a huge Japan sale on PSN right now. So lots of RPGs, um, lots of Sega games. Uh, the Yakuza series on, is on sale. And please, someone correct me in the Discord, Blink especially. Yakuza or Yakuza? Which is the correct pronunciation? I don't Yakuza. know. Yakuza. Yakuza. Um, so I kind of put a poll out on Twitter or just a call out to say, Hey, all of these games are on sale. It's criminal that I haven't played any in the series at this point, because so many people, uh, that I follow and people's opinion, I hold in very high regard, Fem Trooper, TV and lust blink, uh, Steph's to death. They're huge fans of the series. And I just, mm-hmm. at this point haven't played anything. Um, so I said, what's, what's the best place to start? And overwhelmingly the response was play zero because you never know. I mean, you would think that, you know, maybe 358 over two days is the first Kingdom Hearts <laughs> game you should play, but yeah. it's not, you know? So what is the correct Yakuza game? And people were saying Zero is the best place to start because chronologically it takes place before the other one. So I was like, okay. It was seven bucks. Oh, that's not bad. So I downloaded it and it's one of those things where uh, a trial run download for $7 and if I do fall in love with the series, then I'll move forward and purchasing the physical copies for PlayStation Four because then I can lend you the copies uh, if you do want to play the game. Does it play like GTA or how does it? Yeah, so I was going to get to that. I think open world, like structurally, it, it feels like a Grand Theft Auto game. Okay. Um, more of an older Grand Theft Auto because 
I feel like the more newer, I haven't played GTA 5, but it sounds like that game is far more interactive where you can kind of just start walking into all kinds of stores where this is far more gated. There's invisible walls everywhere. Okay. They kind of, at least in the beginning, because I just finished chapter one, um, they really kind of steer you in the direction of your missions. I think later on you can go into um, like bars and um, arcades and play a bunch of mini games and stuff like that. But yeah, so it feels kind of like a Grand Theft Auto game and the exploration side of things. But the storytelling and the combat, I almost feel like I'm in a tin, uh, Quentin Tarantino film because it's super over the top. Whenever you get introduced to a new character, it like zooms into their face and it's like, Ryan Cole, co-host of the Otago Brothers podcast. It, <laughs> like it says their name and then they're like profession, you know, in their relation yeah. to the whatever gang they're a part of, the Dojima family or whatever. It's almost like Smash, like you gotta... yeah. Yeah. New character review, and then it's like Wario, you know, it, it kind of zooms in on the character. New or challenger approaching. Yeah. So like it, the sirens and everything. Yeah. It kind of has that kind of feel to it. Um, but then the combat itself, it almost feels like a traditional old school side scroller beat em up game. So, like your Streets of Rage type of stuff, it it's very combat focused in that sense where GTA is, is not to this degree. I mean, I think the bulk of the gameplay and the combat is you're just beating the holy hell out of people. Even when walking down the street, you know, a, a gang of youngsters or whatever, kind of like in Pokemon, how you have your different bands of characters. You have your bug catchers. You have your Pokemaniacs. You have your whatever. And yeah. when you interact with them, they are kind of, they have their own little uh, tune or whatever to them. Okay, It's kind of similar to this <clears throat> where you're walking down the street and... Uh, someone will start screaming nonsense in Japanese at you and they'll come over and it'll say like the younglings and then you'll have to just beat up on these random people. And then the <laughs> based on your, uh, your combo system and stuff like that and how quickly you defeat them. And if you don't get hit, you accumulate cash. And so you get like a cash payout at the end of every battle. Oh, cool. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Um, all in all, I'm having a really good time with it. I didn't expect it to be as story heavy. It's not really a game conducive to podcast listening or Twitch streaming and paying attention to what's going on or certainly being involved in chat because there's a ton of dialogue. It's all in Japanese and with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really having to read a lot and also like pay attention to the story because it is really gripping. Like I'm super invested in uh, Kiru. Okay, so you are paying attention. To yeah, 100%. And Kiru, the main guy, the main protagonist... Um, all I gotta say is move over Keanu Reeves, man. This guy is badass. Like he's really? just a badass mother effer, and he's just so likable and so cool. And he just has this like I don't know this this feel about him that he's just uh, he's just a cool dude. Did you meet that crazy like evil looking guy with the like big jaw, the egg shaped head guy? Yeah. No, I haven't met him, but I just okay. beat the kind of the first boss. Um, the story kind of starts with a boom, um, and uh, you're. You basically were wrongly accused of murder, uh, okay. and you try to basically out yourself from the Yakuza family. You're saying, like, I want to expel myself or whatever, uh, and you have to go through a whole rigmarole of events in order for that to happen, and then it all kind of leads up to this um, this fight with this head honcho dude. Uh, so yeah, I finished chapter one last night, really enjoying my time with it. Again, it's very over the top, but it's definitely a breath of fresh air from the GTA series, which I've completely checked out of at this point. Yeah. So that's well, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure I'll have more impressions in the weeks to come, but as Ryan kind of alluded to uh, next weekend, we're actually um, going on a little mini vacation with his parents. We were going to go on the vacation earlier in the year, but obviously COVID happened. So uh, we have a little Airbnb up North that we're going to get 
um, that we're going to visit. Mm-hmm. Just chill, enjoy the uh, the lake effect weather, um, have some campfires, maybe roast some marshmallows. Yeah, tell some campfire stories. It'll be fun times. Uh, but because of that, and because I have a crazy week at work, and uh, I also have another secret project that I'm going to be working on, collaborating with a good friend of mine, good friend of the show. So we'll have more details about that coming out soon. Um, but all of that to say, we can't record a placeholder um, Otaka Brothers podcast. So we'll be taking a break next week, and then we'll be back the following week uh, to talk about, uh, well, who knows? Things and stuff. It's anyone's guess, right? Yeah. But we do want to thank everyone for listening to the I do have one more podcast. Thing. Oh, yeah, what's that? Yeah, so we got a new person in the Discord, Sham. And he mentioned, uh, was it Minecraft Mondays? Oh, yes. And Are you going to do that tomorrow? Are you going to follow through? The game plan was until my computer oh, yeah. crapped out. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that like, until I get my computer fixed, I'm going to have to postpone that a week um, if I can solve my computer issues. Game plan was to do it, but... I think it's a Windows 10 thing. I would just do a soft reboot. Yeah, I'm going to see going if on. I can pull everything off my computer today. Um We'll see if I can get it fixed today. Okay. Um, so I'll, um, I'll put something in the Discord depending on where I'm at. But yeah, Shamborski, um, he's on. He's a longtime listener of the podcast. I actually worked with him up north oh, cool. before I transitioned jobs. Really, really good guy. Hit him and his wife. Um, they're relatively uh, recently married, and uh, they actually just purchased a home as well. Oh, congrats. So we've been kind of talking offline. Yeah, absolutely. Congrats, Sean. Um but we've been talking offline about just home ownership and all that good stuff. So really good guy. Uh, I'm glad that he's pumped about Minecraft. And especially if we can get a reoccurring thing going every two to three weeks or even once a month, a Minecraft Monday is what I think would be really fun for people yeah. to tune into. So stay tuned for more details about that. I will let Ryan uh, take the reins on that communication. So just be on the lookout on the Discord. Again, another call out. If you're not in the Discord, please hop in there. A lot of amazing people just having really terrific conversations about all sorts of fun things. So click the link in the show notes below. And again, if you want to write into the show or have a question for Ryan and I, we have a spot on the Discord called the Listener Block. Ryan and I have a backlog of questions already, but if the backlog continues to grow, that just means we have more questions to answer on future episodes. So please continue to post questions there, or if you want to send us a more lengthy question or send us an audio question, you can do that as well at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. But as I always do, at the end of every episode. Well, I'm going to change it up a little bit this time by saying, Go Steelers. We're playing the Houston Texans. Excited to watch that. But also, as I always do, I turn it back to my co-host, Ryan, and say, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, just have a good week and uh, good luck pre-ordering whatever system you decide to get because it's, uh, it's rough out there. It is dangerous. All right, everyone. We'll be back in two weeks. Later. See ya.